It's so easy to fall in love with the wrong guy this time of year. Really just get enamored with someone that's just not going to work out. You know, it happens every year. We don't know who it is. Anyways, let's talk about Quentin Johnston today. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for all of you who listen to Locked On Vikings every day. My hashtag every day is always a big shout out to you. Uh, this show can be found wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including YouTube and maybe even Amazon Fire or Roku. If you got them, you can download the Lockdown Minnesota Sports app. Um, so today's a Quentin Johnston one. I talked about Quentin Johnston a little bit like early in the process, but I think he's a really good example for something that I really want to like drive at, which is like traits and production and film and the, the way that a lot of people analyze and consume the draft. And I want my dear listeners, I want to bring us all up a level from what we usually see. You will absolutely dominate at the bar stool. All right. That's what I want you guys to be able to do. And I think to do that, I, I want to change the paradigm a little bit of how we talk about these guys with the with, with an eye toward like traits and production and film. So we're going to talk about those three things, traits, production, and film. Uh, and when I'm talking about traits, I, I'm talking about sometimes like literal traits like the big body or, or me measurable athleticism um, or things like that are more nebulous, like if he's twitchy or, you know, that guy's got, uh, he's really smooth, you know, those kind of adjectives that are a little bit vague and nebulous. Um, that's what I kind of mean when I talk about traits. And I think that, that traits can be very popular, especially the measured ones, because it's very knowable. It's very measured and objective. You know, this guy ran a 4.49 in the 40-yard dash. He didn't run a 4.5. He didn't run a 4.48. 4.49. We all, nobody can argue that. You can't say, in my opinion, he ran a 4-4-2, you know? Um, it is completely inarguable. And it's why, like, Quentin Johnston was the, the guy I wanted to bring up for this. Because um, everyone had him at 6-4. Like, go search Twitter for Quentin Johnston 6-4. And go search it and go see how many people were like, yeah, he's 6-4-2-15. Look how he moves. Look at this guy. He's such an athlete. And I mean, it's, it's Dane Brugler and Jordan Reed. Like it's not just random fans. It's like people that like are, you know, draft people that had him six four two fifteen. I think that's what TCU listed him at. So you just went with it. He comes to the combine whole inch short of that <laughs> six, three, two Oh eight, still a pretty big body, but it totally changes the context. And there's no arguing with that. We just have, we have no choice, but to just change the way that we think about Quentin Johnston, however much you want to change from six, three to six, four. And you can argue about that. How much does that particular inch matter, right? We can argue about that till we're blue in the face, and that's where things can get more subjective. But I think measurable traits are very attractive because it's it feels safe. If I say Quentin Johnston is a six foot three wide receiver, I can't be wrong about that. I can't. You can't come back to me three years later and be like, ha, 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 you thought he was six three, you idiot. He's actually six four. Like that can't happen, right? He's measured. It's knowable. Um, 
And <laughs> with the draft in general, I think that there's a lot of fear, right, of getting the the wrong thing. And it, we've all been there, right? We've all had draft takes that aged horribly. I was a big Christian Fulton guy, big Jalen Rager guy back in 2020. Those things did not pan out. <laughs> but when it comes to those traits, like, say, a 40 time, um, I think the best space to attack is the impact that that 40 time has, right? Because that will change prospect to prospect. You can have two guys that run a 4-4-2, but one is a lot better at using that speed to, if you're talking about a receiver like Johnston, to you know close down space and one might not, not be as good at closing down space and that's more of a technique thing. And we can kind of say, okay, his 40 is doing a lot more for him than that 40 is. Um, and that, that second part, you know, you'll, you'll hear me say something like, yeah, oh, he ran a good 40 and you can see it on tape. And that second part is really, really important, even though I get it that it kind of defeats the purpose because why worry about the actual athleticism score? If all we're doing is looking at tape and seeing if it matters anyway, can't we just look at the tape and skip the athleticism score? And like, maybe, but for me, it is kind of an orientation tool. It tells me what to look for, where to look for. I just did tank Dell today. Um, and knowing that he is small, that he ran a 449, all kind of helps me know, okay, I'm looking for moments where his size is really challenged and called into question and, and his physicality is called into question, right? Size is a trait. Physicality is something a little more vague that is built off of the trait of size but isn't limited to just size, right? You can be small but physical. There's plenty of examples of that. Antoine Winfield's always the one that comes to my mind. Um, and I think production is sort of a, a worse version of this. Um, you know, the, the logic of, well, he got a lot of yards, so something must be good might be something that you hear a lot, but I don't know. It kind of falls apart on like any scrutiny because I'm sure you can find a, a receiver or, you know, think of a running back that got a thousand yard season, but wasn't actually good. My brain immediately goes to Peyton Hillis, that one random season. That was a thousand yard season, right? Yeah. 1177. Like, that kind of thing can happen, right? So how do we differentiate between the ones whose production actually speaks to them and the ones whose production don't actually speak to them? And from there, you start to get into a big giant quagmire of of putting everything into context and what context matters and what context doesn't matter. Um, but again, it is attractive because it's objective. You cannot say Peyton Hillis got 1,200 yards. You can't say Peyton Hillis got 1,100 yards. He got 1,177. If I said he got 1,100, I'm, I'm wrong or I'm rounding. <laughs> there, there is nothing, or you can't say, you know, in my opinion, that wasn't really a 1,000-yard season, because it was, inarguably. There's no way to be proven wrong about it, and that makes it a really um, attractive starting point, at least, or just a really attractive thing to shout at each other on the bar stool, right? Um, I think analytics approaches this angle really hard. This, well, let's just, like, yeah, I get it, like, Yards aren't very good. Analytics hates just total yards, right? Let's put all, put it all into context. Let's find exactly what the down and distance say about it. Let's find what his supporting cast said about it. Let's figure out if we can, you know, there's people even trying to say, well, what about like zone versus man? Uh, and, you know, how did he do versus that? Or something like Matt Harmon's reception perception, which tells you sort of a more granular, how did he do on every route? That's interesting context, but it's still at the, at its very core, still trying to hang on to that objectivity of, you cannot argue against, he got this many yards on post routes. You can argue what that means. We can add subjectivity to how much we care 
about he got this many yards on post routes, but you can't tell me I'm wrong that he got this many yards on post routes. That is set in stone. Um, But I want to sort of attack the premises of that logic. And then a little later, use Quentin Johnston as an example um, to sort of take us through a more evolved train of thought than just, oh, we got this many rounds on posts. Must be good at posts or must be bad at posts, depending on if we like the number. You know what I mean? Um, Before I I get through all of that, though, uh, I want to talk to you about a good old gramble. It is time to start betting on baseball, and it is a great time to join FanDuel because if you are new, you get a no-sweat first bet with America's number one sports book. That means if you whiff on your first bet, you say, I think Aaron Judge is going to get a home run, and then he doesn't get a home run, no worries. You get $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. You just have to go to FanDuel.com slash on when you sign up. Place your first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. So don't miss your chance to get that no-sweat first bet. You can bet on MLB, player props, spreads, um, you know, run total over-unders, of course, basketball and hockey, plenty of that as well. You can even bet on stuff like the NFL draft, who is going to go first or second overall. Uh, the, the markets are very hot on Bryce Young, <laughs> but it gets a little bit murkier now than we thought. We kind of thought it would be, you know, Young, then Stroud, but now all these reports about the Texans, things are getting a little muddy. You can go bet on that stuff too, or even parlay a whole bunch of outcomes together, try to get a better payout. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get that no-sweat first bet. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the MLB. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, for the rest of draft time, I don't know what we're going to do for the rest of this week. I got a couple shows left, so <laughs> be surprised. But next week is going to be uh, a lot because it's the draft. I'm going to have entire positional uh, breakdowns, like here's what I think of every corner in the class, here's what I think of every receiver in the class, or at least up to like the first kind of two days worth of them. Um, and then on actual draft day, I'll have a live stream. Uh, so please come join me on the Lockdown Vikings YouTube channel. I'm going to be streaming the entire first round of the draft or until the Vikings pick, assuming they pick at all, but maybe we'll just be there for the whole first round. Um, and then I'll also have shows coming out, recapping that draft on Friday morning and then recapping day two on Saturday morning and recapping day three on Sunday morning and recapping the undrafted free agent class on Monday morning. And that'll take a couple days off. Uh, So be ready for some other podcasts to hit your feed on draft weekend. That's all that is. Let me move forward with this esoteric conversation about traits and production and stuff. I want to attack the premises of something like Guy got a lot of yards, or maybe guy got a lot of yards, and here's the context that proves that that's real, right? That's There's your your analytics concession. Guy got a lot of yards per route run, sure, let's say, and therefore he is good, right? That will be true a good amount of the time. That's a pretty good predictor because it predicts, you know, yards moving forward and all of that stuff. Um, But let me say all of the premises out loud, and let's really interrogate them, right? Because let's take something like, Okay, this guy got a lot of yards, but a lot of them came on play action, right? That's a concession that a lot of of people will make about production of, well, you know, but was this context real? If it came on play action, were they really that good? So, premises in order here. Okay, this guy got a lot of yards, inarguable. A lot of these yards came on play action, unless you think the person did a bad job charting or something, which I'm probably not going to do. Again, inarguable. Uh, We know play action is a... Big advantage for offenses. Pretty inarguable. There's been a lot 
of um of, of studies done about how everything gets a lot easier when you run play action, everything is more successful when you run play action. All true premises. We're good so far. But then you get to the kind of main cog of the machine, which is, and therefore these yards were not as quality. Um, and therefore this guy, or, or maybe a better way to put it is therefore this player's yards are overrating him. And that is where we can really attack it. Right? So for me, I like to exist in only that space. Okay. What was he having an easier time because of play action? There's reasons for that, right? It's not just a random trend. Um, there's causes to play action leads to easier protections. It leads to probably, you know, if you're set up in play action, there's probably one high safety. That might mean, you know, you're, you've got a more, a, a better chance of being one-on-one. -on -one. So, well, why don't we just look at how we did one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because that is kind of a more pure simulation of what we're actually getting at. Um, and honestly, the idea of that, hey, this guy had a lot of yards on play action, therefore he might not be as good, might not be untrue. And in fact, it's pretty likely to be true. Call it, I don't know, 60-40 or whatever. It's a 60-40, and that if, you, if you get a 60-40 trend in analytics, you're doing great. Um, so I think, though that with our human brains and if we abandon the sort of zoomed out world that a lot of analytics is built on, you know, they want to look at the whole NFL and find trends. They want to look at everything that, that the NFL does and say, how is play action across the board? But we are looking at one guy and we don't know if that guy's on the 60 or the 40. If we were to guess using just the information we have now, of course you'd guess the 60 and you'd be right 60% of the time, right? That's as good as you can do. But I think we can do better than guessing. And, and note, I'm not saying hashtag stats need context. Everybody knows stats need context. I think most of analytics can be defined as applying context to stats. Um, I'm trying to go another level up here and saying that stats need characterization. They need to be explained. For me to care that you got a lot of, of, of yards on play action, I need you to tell me why play action was getting you a lot of yards. Was it because you just got your one-on-ones better? Was it because it gave you free releases maybe because of play action, you know, you, you had a lot of motion and it gave you free releases and hid the, the fact that you can't release? Uh, or is it because you're just a really good deep receiver and that was how that offense chose to set up its shot plays? Those all reflect very different things about a receiver that um, you can't really grasp by just saying, well, this many of them were on play action. Um, I, you say 60, 40 is pretty good. Maybe it is. Not only do I think we can do better than that, but I think we could just be more specific than, ah, oh, this guy benefited from play action. We just explain more than that. Um, so that means we, we have to watch tape. And, and here's the thing for a lot of us, I, I think that, uh, we probably struggle and I probably do. We struggle to do better than a coin flip on evaluations. And I, and I don't think there's any shame in that. Go back to your draft analysis from wherever. And I know you all have at least opinions, you know, go search your old texts or your tweets or your emails to your grandpa or whatever. Try to, you know, evaluate a draft prospect. And if you like comprehensively went through all of them, I'm going to guess you're about a coin flip. That's just how it goes. That's how it goes for teams. It's There's no shame in that. But, you know, just watching tape and not using any of the, the great information that's out there obviously isn't going to be great. The reality is tape is hard. And unless you have practical experience, and even if you do have practical experience as a scout or a coach or a player or whatever, 
it's like learning a new language at the age of 30. It takes commitment, and you will still probably pale in comparison to a native speaker, right? So ultimately, we have to reshape what we are looking for here. And for me, this year, and I'm sure you've probably noticed, I have tried to be really, really shy about saying, this dude's good, this dude's bad. I got a couple of takes where I feel like like I don't like Hendon Hooker, but I don't like Hendon Hooker in the first round, right? Fourth round, we can have a better conversation. You know, I'm way more open to it. Um, but mostly, I don't care if you agree with me on Hendon Hooker or not. You can have your own opinion. That's totally fine. But I at least want you to understand what I said about Hendon Hooker in the the episode that I did about him and in the Patreon thing that I did about him, which is free to watch, by the way, if you're into it. Um, Patreon.com slash NFL. That, okay, he misses a bunch on short game. And that he's making these half-field reads. And that that's concerning. And what, what the deal is with that. And, you know, does this translate into an NFL offense? Those are the things that I want you to be on. And those are the premises I care about. And then the, and therefore he's good, or and therefore it's fine, he'll he'll be, you know, or therefore he sucks, or therefore he'll be good, or whatever, is a much more nebulous world that I'm just not as interested in, and that's okay. Um, you know, when you flip on the tape, it it's really easy to notice, like, wow, that play was really awesome. And kind of notice the same things that you'd notice when you're on TV. But for me, I try to hone in and really look for specific stuff. And I don't really, sometimes I don't even notice the result of a play. I'll be watching a receiver and the quarterback will throw a hideous interception to the other side of the field. I didn't even see it. <laughs> I'll, I'll show up, I'll like tweet a play and I'll be like, look at this curl route. And somebody will be like, my goodness, that quarterback just threw the worst interception I've seen. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, and, and I think that, that's an important thing to do is to just totally discard the results of a play to truly evaluate its process. And I know a lot of this is very scary, but you just got to take the leap. And I promise you're, you're going to eventually realize how okay it is to be wrong. And it's going to make you better on the whole. I, I, I have more to say about this, but I do want to really drive that home. Make the leap. Be wrong. It's okay. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Shout out to my everydayers. Let me continue on. Um, look, you can't be scared of being wrong. And uh, this is, uh, like I say it all the time, my draft takes, my predictions, they are absolutely nothing. Um, I, I will eventually throw some level of commitment out there because I'll be on another show and they'll ask me, like, who do you believe in? Who who's This is a question I'll get on a whole bunch of shows this week. Who is your nightmare guy for the Vikings to say? Who's the guy that you really hate? That, and i got to have an answer to that question. So I'll eventually fall on some side of the coin on some of these. But, but really, I care. I don't care that you agree with me or not about Quentin Johnston. I care that you understand that he's a body catcher, that he doesn't explode out of his breaks. Um, that he's really good after the catch. I want you to understand those things. And it's, it's a little bit more than traits. He is big. You can't argue with that. You can argue that he's good at, that he is or isn't good after the catch. That's a little more subjective, right? You could maybe come up with other plays where he didn't do as well and maybe argue with me and, and we could have that debate. Um, but I really, I, I want the conversation to exist there. And that's like, I have not said a Quentin Johnston great in this entire episode. I'm not going to say a Quentin Johnston great in this entire episode. If you came here hoping that I gave him a B or a C plus, or if I told you that I think he's a first rounder or a second rounder, or if you think, you know, is he a starter? Or is he a maybe starter? Is he a 7.5 out of eight? I'm not going to give it to you because I want, I want to evolve it a little bit more, you know? So when it comes to those skills, 
let's talk about the, the body catching, right? This is something that Johnston does a lot. He'll even jump into, into a catch when he doesn't have to so that he can catch it and kind of trap it with his body. It leads to more drops than are comfortable, and it's going to only get worse in the NFL until he learns to really catch it w- with his hands and not with like the kind of help of his body, right? It's a, it's a bad habit that he needs to break to make it in the NFL. Um, will he break it? Pfft, who knows? <laughs> who has any idea, right? That probably has more to do with where he lands and who picks him than some innate ability that he has to learn or whatever. Uh, it, who knows, right? Maybe he gets the worst wide receivers coach ever and he never comes along. And maybe he could have been really great if he got a great wide receiver coach, right? Who knows? Who knows if Keenan McCardell is good at teaching that particular thing where he was great at teaching, you know, KJ Osborne this, but a KJ Osborne, um, I think he came along before he really met Keenan McCardell. I, I wouldn't credit McCardell with that, but I, I digress. Um, the, credit Jarvis Landry. That was that happened in the offseason with KJ Osborne's own work ethic. Um, but, you know, testing and, and production, all that helps me contextualize this stuff, and it's useful for sure, but I want to look at guys by what they are and aren't good at right now. And because I can't predict whether they will become good at a thing later... I use the phrase assembly required for this when I say, hey, there's assembly required. There is work you have to do to really turn this guy into what you think he is. Um, And when I say that, that is always a negative. That is not a maybe. That is a negative because that can only zero out by getting fixed and and it, it can only cease to be an issue. It cannot become a strength, right? Like it can't, oh, he's a body catcher. He can stop being a body catcher. Um, but that you can't become a good body catcher, right? You can't have body catching become like a, a good thing. Sometimes there are catches over the middle where you want to do it because you're like boxing a guy out. That's a different thing. I'm talking about like the habit when things are open. Um, it either holds him back or it stops holding him back, but it can't start pushing him forward. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Which, again, it's why I've, I, I, I'm trying to stray away from grading guys. Because if I say, oh, I think Quentin Johnston is a, is a third-round pick, if I'm really that low on him, and some people are, and then he turns out to be great, people are really only going to focus on the fact that I said he was a third-round pick. But if I say, to make it in the NFL, he's got to learn how to catch outside his frame a little bit better, he has to explode out of his breaks a little bit better, uh, and he has to stem his routes with more intention and really try to, you know, widen things and manipulate corners in the way that he has lots of room to do on deep routes, but he doesn't do that. And if he can fix all of that, if he can get better at those things, he'll be great. And if he does turn out great, I'm going to look and see if he got better at those things. And if he did, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, okay, I had that one. Uh, And if he gets good, but he's still body, you know, he's lighting it up, but he's still body catching, but he's still, you know, he's not really exploding out of his brakes the same way and all that stuff. Then I'm going to look at it and I'm going to say, okay, I I got something wrong. I I missed something about this guy. I got to look at my process, right? Um, Another example, you know, I talk about Christian Derrissaw all the time. I think I missed on Christian Derrissaw. I was too low on him. I, I mean, I didn't think he was not a first round pick. It kind of felt like, you know, late first was appropriate for him and that's where the Vikings took him, but he clearly blew out that expectation. And there was an issue, a finishing issue for him in college where it felt like he was dogging the end of place. And that did not carry into the NFL and things got a lot better. So for me, I I don't feel like I misevaluated him. I identified a problem and I said, if he's going to make it in the NFL, this can't be a problem anymore. Well, it stopped being a problem and he made it in the NFL. Feels like I had that one. (laughs) And I think that that's such a better place to be. And I want you to be there with me. And... That's why I kind of I I want to be fully nihilist about the draft. Like, forget who's good, who's bad, who's going to work out, what are the grades, who's the value. 
who's the steal and the and the reach? Get out of that headspace and try to understand the characteristics of a player. And then secondarily, you can decide how you value those characteristics. And then we can try to grade stuff and we can have, because it can be fun, right? Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to take away your fun, but just, you know, eat your dinner before dessert, I guess. Uh, you know, do think about what you have to think about and you'll find it's going to be a lot easier to watch all of these prospects develop if you didn't have a, a super rigid expectation of he will or he won't work out. Nobody is good at that. You aren't good at that. I'm sorry. You're not smarter than teams. You're not good at that. And I, I see too often, especially when you get people who get like really, really uh, co cocky in their takes, like overconfident, and they'll be like really into a guy. It'll be like their guy. And then that guy doesn't work out. Happens to all of us, okay? It's, it happens. Um, and then instead of saying, all right, yep, whiff on that one, moving on, or better yet, whiff on that one. What did I do wrong there? What can I learn? You know, and, and, and seeking to improve. Failure is a chance to improve, always. They will just dig their heels in. And... I, I see it, especially on Twitter all the time. I'm sure you see it on Facebook. I'm sure you see it in your life with people you talk to <laughs> in things beyond football as well, where, all right, I was super into Christian Fulton. He is clearly not working out for the Titans. Oops. All right. That's a, that's an L on me. All right. I didn't, I didn't have that one right. Or no, 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 it's not Christian Fulton. He's still good. He's still, it's just the, the Titans are just dumb. The Titans just don't know how to use him. Right. All right. They just, they're, they're screwing it. You'll never hear that kind of thing from me. But but if you see that kind of thing, if you see yourself trying to do that kind of thing, trying to justify and saying, well, no, 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 I wasn't wrong about Jalen Rager. He just hasn't gotten to the right situation. And blah. no, this is just, dude's just not as good as we thought. And for whatever reason we thought that, we can go and, and, and be introspective. But understand, it is way more likely, and I'm talking to fans here because this is a podcast for Vikings fans, okay? If you're an actual scout and you're listening to this, A, hi, love you, thanks for listening. Uh, but B, you probably don't need to hear any of this. And you probably already have a pretty similar opinion on humility because most scouts have been humbled pretty hard. <laughs> but for, for fans like us, just amateurs, just, just like football, watching it, seeing who we like, playing pretend GM, playing ultimate pro football GM, whatever, right? We just like to play pretend like that. For us, you just will come to that moment. And I just want to drive it home that it's okay to be wrong. Um with with Quentin Johnston and I, I have a whole Patreon thing out for my actual like real opinion. That if you expected this to be a, a whole episode about just Quentin Johnston, you're disappointed. I'm sorry. Go to patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL. There's a, a a Quentin Johnston. You know what? I'm gonna make it free. I think I have it behind a pail. I'll make it free right now. Available to the public. There you go. You can kind of see my uh my take on him a little bit more uh in depth there. But I think he's a great example for this because he has these traits. He's big, right? And he plays really fast, although he tested he's like a 4.46, which is fine. So fine speed. But then he also doesn't have explosiveness. And you can kind of muddle all these traits and get a good guess as to what kind of guy this is. But to me, he's a guy that needs to learn all of these things. And if he does, he'll work out. And if he doesn't, he won't. And that's the crossroads we're at. I don't feel a need to solve beyond that. I don't feel a huge... I mean, maybe I can guess and say, well, this is the kind of thing that's a little easier to learn. And this is the kind of thing that's a little harder to learn. But honestly, I'm not a coach. I don't know that stuff, and I don't really want to keep guessing at it. So I'm going to leave it there with Johnston. Here are his problems. You watch the Patreon vid if you want more in-depth stuff, or listen to the episode I did uh, about 
I think Keely Ringo is on the YouTube thumbnail for it, but I, I talked about Johnston in that one too. Um, I talked about both those guys in the same episode. And you can get my more uh, polished thoughts on that there. But no, okay, here's his issues, and he's got to fix them or he won't work out. And that is all the take has to be. And hey, if I am wrong, if he doesn't fix those things, but he still works out, and I just, you know, just was being too much of a hater, all right, we'll look back at it, we'll see what happens. But it is, it, it has to be okay to be wrong and not be like ashamed of it and instead be excited to go say, all right, what can I learn from this? Because then I can get smarter. And I like being smarter. Uh, look, I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. I, maybe I'll talk about like Tank Dell or something because I did him today and it's a very interesting case uh, or something. I don't know. We'll do mock drafts and stuff next week as well and make sure you come by for the whole draft weekend. We're going to be hanging out, having a great time. The draft is coming oh, uh, almost a week away. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.